Hello, welcome back to Soundrise. Uh, this is a music podcast hosted by Alexander. That's me and Vlada. Vlada, how are you? I'm pretty good. How are you doing? Yeah, pretty, pretty good as well. Uh, the weather outside is beautiful, but uh, I cannot <laughs> go outside, unfortunately. So. I'm just trying to find as many activities as possible at home, but it's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's not your typical weekend. Um, I don't really w- look forward to Fridays and, and weekends anymore. How about you? I'm doing pretty well considering the circumstances. And the fortunate thing is that we have a backyard here so I can at least go out and stretch my legs a bit. Yeah, you can also take some kind of exercise or maybe a short walk or anything, right? Yeah, definitely. So uh, tell me, what is our band for today? Yeah, um, we are continuing. Well, not really continuing, but we're moving on to the 70s. And today's band is going to be Van der Graaf Generator. Uh, it, it's kind of a Dutch name, so I'm not sure if the pronunciation is right, <laughs> but let's let's call it Van der Graaf. Uh, Vlada, uh, you were the one that chose this band, so can you tell us a little bit more about uh, your choice and you know everything? A quick quick facts about this band. Okay, I, I decided to choose this band because I really dig them. I think. It's one of the most unique, most original bands I've ever heard. And I have to say, though, I'm not entirely familiar with their catalog, even though I've listened to quite a few records. There is one record, though, that I always gravitate towards. So I wanted to use this as an opportunity to dig a bit deeper and refresh my memory uh, in relation to a couple of records. Um, I think that this is one of those bands that is very difficult to categorize usually they're considered a prog band so very often you will see them lumped together into the same category as yes genesis king crimson but while they do have some things in common with these bands especially king crimson i would say I think it's kind of unfair to lump them together with these bands because their music, their sound doesn't really match what I would consider classic 70s prog rock. I think they go beyond that label. So definitely one of those bands that I feel are somewhat overlooked in the grand scope of things, that they deserve much more credit than what they're usually given even though i have to say obviously prog fans do have a deep appreciation for this act yeah right uh yeah you can you can see everywhere that they are considered a prog rock band um this is the first time that i have actually listened to them i i wasn't really familiar with them um i i do kind of uh, you know i'm not a big prog rock fan but i don't really 
associate this band with your typical progressive rock acts? Mm -hmm. what, what do you think of that? Yeah, as I said, uh, I feel like when, when you sit down and you listen to Vander Graaff Generator, uh, there are so many sounds, so many unique twists to the music that just go beyond what you would consider typical prog rock. Now, don't get me wrong, other prog rock bands of the 70s also tend to be original in their own ways, but it seems like there's a thread, a unifying thread there. But Vander Graaff Generator sometimes reminds me of acts that are not necessarily prog bands, you know, like um, I can, yeah. for example, I don't know if it's a good comparison, but sometimes this sounds more like something David Bowie would do. Oh, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would kind of agree with you on that because the vocals sometimes um, remind me of David Bowie and even Rob Halford. Oh, yeah, well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Halford was somewhat influenced by these guys. I mean, I don't know for sure, uh, but I, I wouldn't be surprised uh, especially Peter Hamill's vocals tend to be like all over the place, you know, so um, it's kind of easy to connect it with different styles of singing, I guess, among other things, Rob Halford. Yeah, exactly. So uh, today we'll be chatting about three of their records. Uh, we'll, we're going to be talking about uh, their third, fourth, and fifth albums. Uh, so H to He, uh, Who Am The Only One, that's the first one that uh, we're going to be talking about. Also Pawn Hearts, and last but not least, God Blood. So uh, mm -hmm. Vlada, can you tell me something about the first records, H to He, Who Am The Only One? What did you think of this album? Okay, so... I'm pretty sure I listened to this album before, but it was kind of vague in my memory, so it was like listening to it for the first time. Um, and I have to say this is, in my opinion, a really good starting point to get into the band, because the songs seem to be more accessible than on some other records. I feel like there's a lot of hooks, you know? I mean... Van der Graaff Generator might be quite a demanding band to listen to for a lot of listeners because they tend to have this sort of chaotic musical expression. You know, sometimes when you go through songs, there are several stages, there are some sudden changes of, of the mood. Uh, musically, they tend to rely a lot on um, uh, some jazzy bits as well. So it's definitely not an easy listen for somebody accustomed to your standard rock music, you know? Yeah. Uh, and But this record to me is the one that sort of bridges that gap. And if you listen to, for example, the first song, Killer, it's like straight in your face from the very first note. There's this very catchy... Uh, 
uh, riff, you know, with saxophone and and keyboards uh, and thundering. Contagious. Yeah, yeah, thundering drums. I think this is a perfect way to get into this band to 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 start understanding what they're really about. So uh, the same goes for other songs on the record. It's still very experimental. It's still very arty. It's still something that one might listen to and wonder what the hell has just happened, you know? As, uh, I don't know. It, it all really depends on what your music taste is like. Because, you know, if you're accustomed to more streamlined kind of music this might be quite a surprise and quite a shock for you but still this record is accessible enough for anyone to see if they can get into this band or not yeah i would definitely agree with you on that because uh this album to me it sounded uh, kind of strange uh and the whole band is uh, well i'm not saying they're bad but they don't really match my taste. Um, I can I can see and I can hear that the the music is high quality, uh, but uh, I would really need to kind of start um, listening to more of this stuff in order for mm -hmm. me to to kind of uh, get familiar with it. And but after after giving them. A couple of listens, uh, they have slowly started growing up for me. Um, so, do you have any tracks that you would pick out? Uh, yeah, I would. I would definitely choose the opening song because, as I said, it's a very auspicious start to the record. It's like they're announcing their arrival at the scene um, if yeah. that doesn't move you i'm not sure anything else will uh, however i have to say regarding what you've just said i think sometimes with this band you need to have more than one listen for oh, the definitely. music to actually sink in right? yeah but there's still enough going yeah. on for you to be intrigued so, yeah, yeah. Has, mm -hmm. Uh, so having said that, let's listen to a bit of the first track, Killer. Yeah. All right, so this let's is Wonder Graph Generator and Killer of their record, Age to He Who Am the Only One. Let's go.
great song. Uh, I've got to say this is my favorite track on this album. Uh, again, I'm kind of getting that Bowie slash Halford vibe. Um, the vocals are fantastic and also the music, which is kind of closely uh, in cooperation with the vocals. Uh, there are some parts where, where they sing and play the music in the same melody, which I always dig. So uh, I have to say uh, that to me, this is probably their catchiest song because you have this opening riff that comes in very strong and then just goes on throughout the, the track. Uh, and I got to say, one of the things that really fascinate me about this band is their overall musicianship, in particular the drummer, who is like such a champion of this track with his forceful beats and uh, very neat jazzy licks that he throws in. I just love it. And alongside the vocals, it perfectly carries the song. And of course, the saxophone is just, I can't imagine this without a saxophone. It has that sort of almost soulful vibe, you know? Yeah, the sax has a special effect in this, in this song. Yeah, okay. And also, uh, what I would like to point out is that this album was released in 1970. Does it really sound 1970 to you? Yes, I mean, to me, yes, because I think what really um, what really exemplifies this period is this kind of creativity, originality, this sort of you know, clash of different sounds. Uh, sometimes certain bands, the best bands of the era, almost sound like they came out of nowhere. Like you can recognize some of the influences but it's so far beyond, you know, the 50s or the early 60s music. Have to wonder what kind of ingenuity these people had, you know, to, to come up with all these amazing, amazing tracks. And uh, to me, this is, yeah, this is definitely 70s music. But if you ask me whether this sounds outdated in any way, I would say definitely yeah. no. No, not at all. No, this band doesn't sound outdated at all. There's nothing, to, in my opinion, you know, there's nothing that ties them to that time period other than this great creativity and, uh, you know, production, of course. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, to conclude this album, uh, what rating would you give them? Oh, this is for me, I would say a 9, probably. I don't want to give it 10. I think it might be a 10 if I listen to it a bit more. As I said, sometimes you need to let these records sink in, but this is a 9. And I think, uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but I think all three records that we decided to listen to are just excellent examples of uh, 70s uh, I don't want to say prog rock because it's so much more than that so yeah yeah, yeah. A, a nine for me you 
since uh, yeah, it's all opinions, and we're, we're kind of just giving our personal views. I'm gonna give it a seven out of ten, um, only because first of all, uh, this is not my go-to music, and second, uh, I actually liked uh, the other records better. Okay, uh, moving on to our next record, which is Pawn Hearts. Um, it was released in 1971, just a year after our previous record. And this one was much easier to listen to, in my honest opinion. Uh, it was my favorite out of these three. Um, I can single out um, more than one record. Um, but let me let me back let me get back to, let me get back to you uh, with your thoughts on this album. Uh, well, you know this is the one. This is the classic album by Van, Van der Graaf Generator. This is the one most rock fans know about. You know, especially uh, prog rock lovers and. Um, you can tell that this record is not as accessible as the previous one that we listened to. However, I think it's much more rewarding because musically speaking has so many exciting moments and it might be difficult to take it all in at once, uh, especially the last track, which is 23 minutes long. So it's a sidelong track taking up the whole second vinyl side of the record. Um, so again, more experimental than the previous one, but maybe more rewarding as well. Yeah. An interesting thing about this record is that it features Robert Fripp from King Crimson on the guitar. So... Uh, yeah, he's he was... basically a member here, you know. He's not officially a member, but he's on all tracks. And uh, he's a genius in his own right. So this is like combined genius of Peter Hamill and Robert Fripp. Can it get any better than that? And as I previously said, King Crimson is another one of those prog bands that kind of defy what prog rock bands are supposed to sound like. You know, they're so inventive, so adventurous in their approach to music that you can't just simply label them with any tags. You know, you can try, but ultimately King Crimson is King Crimson, Van der Graaf Generator is Van der Graaf Generator. So this record is definitely one of their most well-known probably the most well-known record they have released for a good reason. Yeah, and uh, Robert Fripp from King Crimson, he was featured on three uh, on three songs here, Lemmings, Manerg, and the long one, A Plague of Lighthouse Keepers. And yes, what, that's, what the, that's the also, whole album. Yeah. Everything else we have are bonus tracks. Those three tracks are the album. Yeah, and I think that I actually listened to their 2005 reissue, which has eight tracks, and plenty of those tracks are your standard length uh, 
songs like three minutes, five minutes, four minutes, which is probably why I found this album easier to listen to. What do you think? Well, um, I'm focused on those three songs that were originally released. So um, I think that there are so many elements to these tracks that they could have easily been broken down into more than three songs. But I guess the band just decided that they flow together better than as separate tracks. Um, I mean, it's stock full with different musical ideas. Um, I love the moments when the band just go straight into these long psychedelic jams you know the um, i'm really excited about the way the saxophone sounds here yet again Uh, there are some moments when things slow down and there's some beautiful saxophone playing atmospheric taking you to another place in time Uh, just beautiful, especially again the drums with that jazz sensibility. That's something that's sorely lacking in modern rock music. That kind of jazz sensibility. And you know what? I mean, we talk about this as rock music, but this is so much more. I mean, this band is so difficult to define. Uh, first of all, they're quite heavily reliant on keyboards, on organ, or on the piano. and Which the... makes them sound kind of outside your typical rock and roll box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, the guitar is there to add some color, you know, especially Robert Fripp. I mean, can it really get better than that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm now going to pick a song of this album, uh, which is uh, probably going to be an unusual one, which is Theme 1. This this track actually sounded familiar um, when I played it. I'm not sure if I have kind of seen it anywhere else. It really sounds familiar. It sounds like a song that um, that you usually hear in some movies. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna pick that uh-huh. one out. And All right, we're so gonna play it. theme one, right? Okay, so this is one of the bonus tracks. Yep. And uh, it's interesting to hear what else they had up their sleeves other than what was originally released. All right, so theme one. Let's go.
that's a, a, a nice choice. Uh, again, uh, I think this is this tune is much more accessible than uh, the actual album. You know, the actual three songs on the record. Yeah, and most of these bonus tracks were instrumentals, which I really dig, as I, in general, uh, are, uh, as I'm in, in general into instrumental um, tracks. So, yeah, uh, what would you give this album? What rating? Uh, I would probably give it 9.5, I think. Oi. This is a, a classic record, but I have to ask you, what, what do you think about A Plague of Lighthouse Keepers? That's a, considered the classic track, 23 minutes long. So how yeah. did you feel when you listened to it? Well, since it's 23 minutes long, um, I can't really tell just one impression. Uh, it was a mix of many, of many impressions, of many experiences. Um, I, I do prefer Lemmings and, and Manerg, but also a, a Plague of Lighthouse Keepers. Um, it, it almost sounds like you're listening to, you know, another another record along with with this one. Yeah, it's almost like. Uh a piece of art that can stand on its own you know it doesn't need any other tracks next to it it's so grand so sprawling that it really stands on its own as a separate piece of work yeah a piece of exactly. art that is and it, it also um, says here in the in the description of the song which i find which I, which i found on wikipedia the song has many changes in time signature and key signature, and even incorporates some music concrete. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's quite a crazy composition. You can call it a composition given how long it is. Um, there are so many changes. Uh, it's really, I think this is extremely difficult to take in all at once when you listen to it for the first time. So I, I would yeah. say it takes more listens for this to uh, sink in. Uh, so I would definitely, if somebody's a newcomer, go listen to Porn Hearts, but listen to some other records first. Maybe yeah. the previous one we talked about, but also uh, God Bluff, which we're about to uh, dissect as well. Yeah, I'm going to conclude Porn Hearts with my own rating. I'll give it an, an 8 out of 10, particularly because of the bonus tracks. But if I'm if I were to judge based on the original tracks, it would probably stay 8 out of 10. It's a nice album uh, for me, better than the previous one. So yeah, we can now move on to to God Bluff. Um, this one well actually when i when i started listening to this band i went kind of backwards i started listening firstly to god bluff and then pawn hearts and 
in the end, I uh, I played H to He, who am the only one. Um, this album has a very cool uh, album cover, which mm -hmm. is which is very simple. It features their um, their logo, uh, a black background, and also the name of the of the album, God Bluff, printed like a stamp. Yeah, I love it as well. It's very eye-catching you know uh, just it's uh, very classic yeah mm -hmm. uh, and it was released in 1975 so yeah it, it's a bit shorter um than the first album that we covered in this podcast so uh what were your initial thoughts about god bluff okay so this is one of their records that is in my rotation that I listen to a lot of times. And I can easily say that as of right now, this is my favorite Wondergraph generator record. Okay. Not saying it's necessarily better than the other two we were talking about. I guess that's very subjective. But this is the one that I always yeah. go to that excites me. Uh, originally featuring four songs. Um, here we have, I think, two more bonus tracks. Yeah, Forsaken Gardens and Allows is not a home. Those are bonus tracks on CD reissue. Yeah, so, so each song is kind of around 10 minutes long. Uh, this one is easier to listen to than Pawn Hearts, definitely. Uh, it's already 1975, so... Some of that psychedelic feel from the previous record is kind of gone and it's replaced with even more jazzy vibe, I would say. And I love this sound of this record because it's so, it's kind of, you know, it, it's kind of atmospheric and dark, but it's not over done you know it's it's very straightforward in a sense yeah and uh, i love the undercover man that song has such a dark vibe especially at the beginning and then it just uh, it starts off slowly and then it escalates later on and uh, peter hamill's vocals are amazing like he's uh, he can go from this whisper to shouting in a matter of seconds, and I love that. Uh, I, I love that um, sound. I love that feeling that you get from listening to such an expressive vocalist. Yeah, and this is this is what Peter Hamill said about this album. Um, we did uh, quote: "We did not want to make son of." Pawn Hearts with a big alongside two and lots of studio experiments. So they decided to go a little bit. Uh, they decided to go uh, a different way with uh, with this album, which was released in 1975. So kind of yeah, four four years later. Mm -hmm. So it has a much more mature sound, I think. They. Kind yeah. of, they found their sound already, so they didn't need to experiment so much. Not that their experimentation was bad by any stretch, as we previously said. That's 
what makes them an exciting band. But here it seems like their sound is fully defined, fully developed, you know, and then the listener knows what to expect from the band at this point. Yeah, I agree. So, um, okay, we're now going to play a track of this album. Uh, so, actually, um, part of a track. So, which one would you pick? I okay. suppose The Undercover Man. I, I think I'll go with that one, but I have to say this was extremely difficult because I feel that all four tracks here are equally good. I don't think you can easily pick a favorite, but The Undercover Man may be slightly, slightly, uh, ranks slightly higher than the other yeah. tracks, in my book at least. Yeah, I would or, also agree not not really easy to pick one song uh i would say the undercover man and arrow those two were mm -hmm. my personal favorites arrow was so so power powerful really liked it but shall we play the undercover man now uh yes undercover okay. man by Vandergraaf generator from the album god bluff Alright, 
Yeah. Yeah. So quite a great track. Um, uh, what what rating would you give to this record? How would you rate it? Oh, okay. Um, 8.5. I think it's the right one. Uh, and I'm sorry, I, I, I'm probably gonna sound biased, but the album cover really <laughs> played a role in my rating. <laughs> okay, that, that's legitimate. It's a, it's a part of the whole experience, right? So uh, I, I, would dis, um, I would give this one perhaps, um, I, I'm not sure if it's, it's a 10, but 9.5 for sure. And it's, yeah. it's a classic record for me. It's definitely something that stands right next to the most classic, the best albums of the era, right there with King Crimson records, right, right there with Pink Floyd's records. Uh, I think this is definitely a record that any music fan should listen to, at least in my opinion. You have just uh, you have just reminding me of something. Um, this this band, well, as you know, I'm not a big fan of progressive rock and art rock, but the band that this um, this you know that Van der Graaff Generator uh, sounds similar to is definitely Pink Floyd. I can hear some Pink Floydish vibes in this. Uh, in some ways, uh, I guess. I mean, they're all a part of the same family. Uh, also, this album to me sounds a bit, just a bit like Genesis. I think there are some okay. common threads. Uh, you know, like Peter Hamill reminds me a bit of Peter Ga Gabriel in, in his theatrical approach to vocals. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, would you kind of recommend this band and whom would you recommend to? I would recommend this band to anyone who is a bit more open-minded uh, when it comes to rock music and looks for more experimental sounds. Anyone who loves jazz, because I think this album, uh, this band, sorry, has... Yeah. A lot of jazz sensibilities, um, but overall, I mean, if you're a true fan of rock music and you're open to different genres, you listen to a range of uh, bands from, you know, classic mid '60s, uh, late '60s rock to prog rock to uh, jazz to post-punk. I think anyone who is open to these different genres, who appreciates uh, bands uh, being brave and taking their yep. chance on different sounds, will have some kind of appreciation for Van der Graaff Generator. Well, the first type of fans, the first type of music fans that come to my mind are definitely jazz fans. 
Mm -hmm. If I were to recommend this band, I would definitely go to a, a jazz fan and tell them to uh, to give it a listen. Yeah, but not a purist jazz fan. A jazz fan, a kind of jazz fan that likes Bitches Brew by Miles Davis. Yeah, that kind of jazz fan can definitely appreciate this. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, we are now approaching the end of our episode. Uh, we would also like to hear your thoughts and also we would like to get a feedback on this. Um, on this episode and this band, uh, we definitely recommend them. If you're into into experimenting, if you're a jazz fan, a rock fan in general, uh, this is a prime example. According to Vlada, this is a prime example of the 70s in a way. So, uh, Vlada, what is your final word for this episode? Uh... Well, I just hope more people will discover this band because while they are well known among prog rock fans, I feel like they are underappreciated in general. I feel that some of their peers get much more credit and fame and I wish for people to visit this band, uh, pay more attention to them and... Uh, also check out Peter Hamill's solo records because they're part of the same story. So that's what I would uh, conclude this episode with. Yeah, yeah. and why, what I would also like to add is it's really interesting that we are comparing them to, to English bands, to British bands. Uh, this band uh, formed in Manchester actually um, to be precise, at the University of Manchester, so maybe that plays a role when we compare them to David Bowie, uh, Judas Priest, and Pink Floyd also, Genesis, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, only an English band can come up with this kind of sounds. I, I think this is a very English band in that regard. Very rooted in uh, European music, but also in American jazz and maybe even some influences that are not too obvious, like soul music. You can definitely hear that as well, even though it might be covered with all this frantic screaming by Peter Hamill. So, yeah, definitely exactly. a very English band. Yeah. Okay. So, thank you for listening. Uh, this was our second episode. We would like you to give it a listen, to share it, uh, to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And we'll see you then in the next episode next week. Yes. See you, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.